Hi, this is Shirley Halperin, Executive Editor of Variety. You're listening to Your Morning Coffee, the podcast with my friends Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart. Weekly music news for the new music business. A Your Morning Coffee podcast deep dive on Spotify's stream on presentation, discovery mode, pre-saves, countdown pages, and much more. From the RIAA, U.S. recorded music revenue scores all-time high of $15.9 billion in 2022. And you might be thinking, Jay, Mike, only two stories? (laughs) Yeah, but boy, oh boy, oh boy, are these in-depth. So we are going to rock those two stories like nobody's business. So Jay and I are about ready to start the show right about now. Stand by for transmission. This is London calling. Wake up! The revolution is at hand! Your morning coffee is on the air. Your morning coffee, the weekly music news for the new music business. It's the highly curated, agitated, advocated, moderated, and liberated digital music information that you need to know. We are your digital music authority. Now, from our studios in Hollywood, California, here's your hosts, Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart. Jay Gilbert, so good to see you uh, on a Sunday, on a time change Sunday. I, I felt a little cheated this morning with less, uh, with an hour less of sleep. But you hey, were cheated. It is good to see you. I was cheated. Yeah. I was very cheated. Uh, but so much to talk about. Oh, yeah. And uh, oh yeah, well I just we have a lot to talk about, and, and things are changing, and we've got money discussions, which we'd love to talk about money in the music business, of course. Yeah, and as you mentioned, and, uh, we're only covering two pieces. But each one of these pieces has multiple articles attached to it and notes and it anecdotes does. and thoughts. And, uh, you know, the big thing, of course, this week, Spotify's stream on uh, presentation. And holy cow, lots to talk about there. Um, and then you and I look forward to yes. a couple of reports um, every six months or so. One is IFPI, which is kind of global music industry. And then the one that mm-hmm. we're going to talk about today, super excited to get this, is the new report from the RIAA. Yes, indeed. And uh, it's, well, it's we, we love kind of getting the snapshot of where we are. And we were certainly there for 1999, the biggest year on record. Huge. And we saw, we saw the trough. We were there for the trough. 
and then climbing out of the hole, and here we are, and it's just really fun to kind of go and, and see, okay, where are Happy we? Happy days where are here again. Where is this money coming from? Happy <laughs> days are here again. And, you know, and I still think back to the, the days. You and I, Jay, I, I often think about this, is we both worked for companies that were aligned with large movie studios. And those said movie studios, so in, the, in our case, we both worked for the Warner Music Group, we both work for Universal Music Group. You worked for Sony. Those enter, those conglomerates, those entertainment conglomerates, could not wait to unload their music companies at a time when the trough was happening. And yeah. and of course, and the business has wow. There was file sharing, you know, illegal file sharing. Yes. You know, starting with like the Napsters and LimeWires of the world, and then CD sales really took a dive and it wasn't a sexy business to be in because it was pre-streaming. And then of course downloads came along and people could pick out or pick off, you know, certain tracks Mm -hmm. uh, off of albums. It was not a good time in the music industry as you remember. I remember well. And, uh, and yeah, it's just, it was, it, and I don't think I could have predicted at that time in the trough <clears throat> that we would have gotten to where we are. What's now. funny is we were talking about it. I remember vividly um, you and I were working at a division called ECAT at Universal Electronic Commerce and Advanced Technology. And I remember the conversations about the celestial jukebox. And we yep. would see that term in Wired Magazine and, and things like that. And it was basically talking about streaming. And I'll be honest with you, I I did believe that streaming was going to be a thing, but I thought that was like 10, 20 years later. I I just couldn't see people giving up um, kind of this ownership of a thing for access to a thing. And I was 100% wrong. It happened fast. It did, but, but, you know, but it couldn't have happened. We couldn't have gone from CD to streaming Mm -mm. that, that couldn't happen. There had to be that download piece in the middle. And uh, because there were streaming services back then or attempts at that. And, um, but, you know, and again, and you really have to kind of tip your hat when you talk about downloads to, to the late Steve Jobs, because it took somebody with this kind of gigantic platform and kind of a, almost a cult of personality to get all of the music right. groups or all the music companies at that time to, to yeah. get on board. with. Well, that. it was a perfect storm, and, right? Because we had so much piracy mm-hmm. and there was no alternative. There was no option at that time. And so Steve Jobs, perfect timing as well, but came in and said, look, I can get them, you know, these digital files to get people to pay for them and they'll be protected. And you're right. It was that nice bridge uh, between physical and then the access, uh, you know, for streaming. Um, But it was really interesting to me that the configuration of downloads, if you look at like the RIAA graph, is the configuration that was around the least amount of time. You know, you've got vinyl and you've got cassettes and eight tracks and you've got, you know, CDs and they all kind of have this life to them. But then you look at at downloads, they were not around very long. No, no, no. It it didn't seem like it was a short period of time when we were in it. But looking back, it certainly does. And of course, you also have to mention there was a hardware component to all of this, you know, and, and that transition from physical to downloads wouldn't have happened without an iconic device with which you could put stuff yeah. in. And, and of course the iPod was that device. I still love and my iPod. I still have it. I do too. It still I still works. have a bunch of them lying around the yeah. house. Yeah, of course. And, um, 
And I still have a lot of downloads, you know, and yeah. I, I'm reminded of that every time when I go onto a flight and there's no internet and I don't have any music. So I've got a, a whole uh, playlist of stuff that I've either ripped yeah, or purchased over the years. Yeah. Because I, you know, you, when you, when you don't have that internet connection, you're without your music. And so, you know, it's, it's amazing how things have, where we are now. And it's, it's, gratifying though to see some of these big numbers which we're going to talk sure. about of course but uh you know, listen as we head into this coming week i think you're on an airplane i'm heading out to austin. oh yeah i'm gonna head off to austin for south by southwest um got some meetings set up um got some clients there really looking forward to it um i don't know if you saw there was an article um by kosha dills uh that was on hypot and the headline was mm-hmm. south by southwest is here 22 places i plan to be from five minutes to five hours and if you get a chance, uh, check that out. There's some really cool stuff going on at South by Southwest. It's it's overwhelming. It's like, you know, um, there's so many things to do and so many bands to see and meetings. It's You can't possibly do everything. I know people who go for, you know, uh, two weeks. Um, I'm just going to be there this coming week uh, for one week. Um, but I'm uh, really looking forward to seeing some uh, old friends again. Well, and it's just so much fun to just see a ton of music in a very short period of time. And, you know, you get that. Ex- it's just um, it's just an excitement. I don't know how yeah. else to describe it. And it's also it. yeah. what people miss about some of these conferences is it's not always the meetings that you schedule and set up. A lot of times it's the person you see while you're waiting in line for coffee. And it's just it's That's just right. such a, a great thing to reconnect with people in the business because although it is a, a big business, it's also a very small business in that a lot of the people that work in this business, we all know each other. We all work with each other or have worked with each other or collaborate or yeah. interact or whatever. And so it is this, you know, this n- tight knit little community. Well, and you also, uh, in, in terms of just music artists, it's, it's the music artist you weren't looking for that you bump into. You're there to see a different band, and then you see another band maybe opening up or following a band you went to see. Yeah. That and there's always surprises, the part right? There's things. always some, oh, you, yeah. you go to see somebody, and maybe it's the opening act, or maybe it's just you're at a venue, and the quality of music there is ridiculous. So it'll be a fun week. I'll yes, report back. Yes, yes, And and you know what? I keep wondering, too. I mean, uh, South by Southwest has been going on for so long. And typically these sort of events have a, a, a life cycle and they, they start off small. They're very cool. Then they get big. And, you know, the new music seminar comes to mind. That was such a big thing in the 90s. Yeah. Completely gone now, of course, and and yet South by Southwest has actually gotten bigger and continues to be kind of th- this they're happening. They're event. relevant because they've they've mm-hmm. gone into these other areas, and I think the yes. same thing with Music Business Association and the Music Biz Conference. They've done the same thing mm-hmm. where they were. Yes. It was NARM, the National Association of Retail Merchandisers. I think that's what it was, and they really struggled for a minute to incorporate downloads, then streaming, then digital. And now it's physical retail right alongside, you know, Spotify and Apple music and Amazon. And it's, they've done a great job of turning that corner and pivoting. And I think, uh, the same, it's hard to do that. And it, yeah, it's, it's hard to do that. And all these things were on my mind because I watched, there's a really great documentary out on, um, Leonard, uh, it's on Leonard Cohen and the song Hallelujah. 
And I remember being at New Music Seminar and I saw Jeff Buckley right when that first album came out. And it started when I was watching this documentary, it got me thinking about seeing him live. And of course, he didn't live much no. longer after that, um, tragically. But um, And then I got st- started thinking about the New Music Seminar and all of these events that I had gone to over the years that are no longer there, no, no longer happening. But uh, hats off to whoever is in charge over at South by Southwest, because like you said, it's really hard to keep being relevant and to pivoting um, and, to, and to just keep that stuff going on. And boy, I, I recognize how, how hard that can be, but I also recognize the skill that it takes and when you're successful at that. And boy, they are sort of successful at it down in Austin, Texas. Just the prices of hotel rooms will let, will uh, put a, put a wrinkle in your forehead as you're looking at that number. So it's a, it's a successful event and that'll be fun, Jay. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing your report back on that. And then of course I was watching YouTube as I often do throughout the week and you were fed to me, Jay, with, what? with uh, the interview from, yeah, from uh, Simon Owens. You had a really great piece uh, where you were interviewed and it's a, it was a podcast, but it's also, there's a video component, which I saw on YouTube Thanks. and really inter- interesting. And well, I've been following Simon Owens and, you know, putting things that he's written in the past, um, and the podcast into your morning coffee. And it was, it was really uh, a thrill to talk with him. Um, I'm a big fan and, uh, um, yeah, he invited me onto his podcast and we had a great conversation and I dropped that into your morning coffee. Um, so check that out with Simon Owens, but, uh, yeah, thank you for that. The other thing this week that I thought was kind of interesting was I saw this piece, um, I think it was on medium, And the headline caught my attention. It was collaborating with a superstar, question mark. Don't hold your breath for a big break. And I saw that it was put together um, by the CEO and co-founder of Beat Bread. And I had spoken to Beat Bread before. Um, It's just such a cool platform. And it really drew me into this this, uh, article. Um, What they said is that they use data to generate predictions of artists, future streaming performance from their catalog and even for unreleased music too. Right. So they, they put Mm -hmm. money behind those predictions because they fund artists, you know, based on that. And so they look at data really carefully. And, um, as I was kind of going through this article, uh, they talked about this thing they call the release ratio on, you know, kind of how they determine uh, you know, what artists they're going to work with and fund. And, uh, I thought it'd be interesting. So, um, I reached out and had a conversation, um, with the author of this piece, which is again, the, uh, CEO and co-founder of Beatbread, uh, Peter Sinclair. Um, let's listen in. Peter, thanks so much for joining me today. You are the co-founder of Beatbread. It's an incredible, uh, platform. I'm learning a lot about it. Uh, Tell us, tell our listeners, what is Beatbread? What do you do? Yeah, thanks. And thanks for having me. Um, Beatbread is a funding platform uh, for independent musicians and independent labels. Um, we will fund against streaming royalties um, for artists from as small as $80 a month of streaming revenue and 10,000 monthly listeners on Spotify, up to artists making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. Um, so our deals go from 1000 bucks to several million. And everything we do is based on data. And um, we give artists the ability to retain ownership and design their own deal uh, in a, with a pretty flexible interface uh, on our site. 
fantastic. Uh, I think it was last week. I saw this article. The headline was collaborating with a superstar. Don't hold your breath for a big break. And it was a really great piece. But one part I wanted to ask you about is it talks about this release ratio. Can you uh, tell our listeners about the release ratio? Yeah. So the release ratio is something that our data science team, and that's actually the most common job title at BeatBread, we're mostly data scientists, um, came up with to measure the the um, size of a future release uh, against a typical re- release from a given artist. So if your release ratio is one on a new track that you put out, that means that that track generated as much streaming and fan engagement activity in its first year as the typical track you had before that you released that music. Um, If your release ratio is more than one, it means that you had something that did better than your typical track, right? And so, so for purpose of the article, we looked at, you know, real hits and breakouts for an artist, you know, having a song three, five, 10, or even a hundred times bigger than your typical song um, means you'd have that high release ratio and we look at that because we rele- we advance money against new music that's been unreleased, not just catalog. Right. Well, you know, Jay, we talk a lot about, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the, we, it was, we were talking in the, earlier in the show talking about how the, the changeover from physical to downloads to streaming and how that predictability has now come in. We talk about that a lot. And, you know, this is this is another outcome of that predictability, which is here here you have an opportunity as an artist to get an advance like you would potentially if you were signed to a major label, but this is without that major label commitment. And uh, this wouldn't have happened during the downloads era. Well, it could have started to happen that, but certainly wouldn't happen in the physical era. Um, but here we are. And what an awesome opportunity if you are an artist that wants to get that that sort of advance like that or that's funding to maybe do another album or to launch a, a, some sort of a tour or something like that. It's really fantastic yeah. for independent artists to have this outlet or to have this opportunity or this possibility to to get some advanced Absolutely. funding. It's amazing, you know, that, as you said, because of the predictability, and and they'll even look at, you know, new music that you're recording and that you, you plan on releasing, and you can use that money to for your recording of your, your new album. I'm, mm-hmm. For some artists, they, they need to have that label uh, behind them for a lot of reasons. But then there are some artists that... To them, a label is, yeah, it can be a bank, but there's also a team involved there, a global team of evangelists. Sure. Well, if you've already got that and you, maybe you've already got things that a label might outsource like sync licensing or a publicist, um, just having the, the funds and the uh, freedom to do your own plan for your own release, that can be massive. So uh, hats off to... Uh, uh, Beat Bread, check them out, and uh, thank you, Peter, for taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, absolutely. And Jay, of course, we would be remiss if we didn't thank all the wonderful folks that help us put this show together. We have, since the beginning, we've been so lucky to have <clears throat> wonderful sponsors, 
and uh, and I tip my hat to them every week because it really, really helps when you're putting on a podcast, and including our good friends over at HypeBot. Since 2004, HypeBot has chronicled the new music industry and the trends and technologies that are changing how music is discovered, consumed, marketed, and monetized. It is edited daily by founder Bruce Houghton with help from Alana Bonilla. HypeBot and sister blog Music Think Tank are published by live music discovery and marketing platform Bands in Town. Ah, uh, yes, Bands in Town, over 74 million. Live music fans trust Bands in Town to get personalized concert alerts, recommendations, and messages from their favorite artists. It's the number one artist services platform connecting over 560,000 artists with their super fans. Managers, labels, agencies, and artists access their own dashboard to manage and promote their tour dates across all platforms. That's Bands in Town. Yes, indeed. And big thanks to the Music Business Association. For more than six decades, the Music Biz Conference has been the point of origin for inspiration and collaboration in the music business. Join us and them for the Music Biz Conference in Nashville, May 15th through the 18th. Looking forward to it. Jay Gilbert will be there buying drinks for everybody and hanging out and having fun. So big thanks to the Music (laughs) Business Association, Banzoogle. Hypebot and bands in town. We appreciate you, you. Oh, we certainly do. And of course, every week I get to hang out with my good friend of more than 20 years, Jay Gilbert. He is a music business consultant. He is the curator of the weekly Your Morning Coffee newsletter and a former executive with Universal, Sony, Warner Music Groups and Fox Home Entertainment and a man who just kills it on the dance floor. Oh, wow. I wish I could dance. Poetry and motion. (laughs) <laughs> this gentleman across from me who teaches me about all sorts of things, you know, whether it's uh, growing avocados or, you know, vehicles or, you know, electric cars and documentaries is Mike Etchart, longtime host of Sound and Vision Radio, formerly of SST Records, Warner Music, Capital EMI and Universal Music Groups. And Mike, I forgot to mention or I failed to mention that that interview uh, that I did with uh, Simon Owens. Um, the podcast is the business of content Mm. and it's about all sorts of content, you know, books, movies, TV, games, music, it's about everything. And again, I, um, I've followed him for years and it was just such an honor to sit down and have a a chat with him. So yeah, just want to make sure. Wonderful job, uh, by the both of you and, uh, very, and I, and I like, thank you. I love to kind of, and we, we briefly mentioned when we were, um, before we hit record, uh, a, a piece that Variety did, a big report on the media industry in general. And I do like to ha- to entertain that perspective all the time, which is, yes, we're in the music space for sure. But, you know, it, there's a lot of stuff that influences that outside of that, including streaming for movies and television and what's going on in public, in print media and all that stuff. And I love to kind of look at the entire universe of yeah. what you say content. And so I appreciate folks that take that perspective as Simon does. I'm glad you brought that up because variety for me is the source Mm -hmm. for um, entertainment just in general. And you're right there. It's all very symbiotic and you need to know what's going on in the other areas. Like if you weren't hip to what was going on in gaming, you wouldn't know how important music is to gaming and to film and to television and there's no better source on the planet than Variety Magazine when it comes to keeping up on all of those things. Plus, you know, I, I see it online, but every now and then I get the physical thing. Oh, I love the physical, yes. Man, it brings me back. Uh, they're just so beautiful and such high quality. And, 
man, I miss those days of, of getting everything physically like that. Yeah. You know, and it's so funny too, cause, I, uh, I was in, in studio city yesterday and I was at a restaurant right by Ventura and Laurel Canyon, if you know the area. And, and I know you and I are very similar to this is there used to be, there still is a newsstand there at the corner oh, and yeah. that you, that newsstand used to be enormous. And I happened to drive by it yesterday and it's, oh, it's just about a third the size that it used to be. And yeah. oh, that's, you know, that's sad. I'm, I'm sounding like an old guy, but man, I miss a lot of the physical print media. Cause that's in, you yeah. know, I've talked about, you know, when we would go on business trips, that's uh, on the way to the airport, I would stock up on Mojo and Q and yep. Hi-Fi and all of these great British magazines at newsstands and take them on the plane and at restaurants when I arrived and oh, things have changed, Jay, Yeah, <laughs> when it comes to print yeah. media. So anyway, those were good days. Well, what do you say we jump into our stories, Jay? And by Ooh. the way, a great job in the newsletter covering all of these stories in depth. Holy moly. And you got to go back and, and we're going to cover some of them, but there's so much more on the newsletter. And um, it was an interesting week to say the least. Yeah, it sure was. And this this first thing, it's not one story. It's actually like four stories that we have in a block in your morning coffee. And again, this is our deep dive on Spotify's Stream On presentation. And there were just so many announcements. And what we did is we went through all of these stories and just highlighted the things that we thought were were most important. And uh, at the beginning of the presentation, they just kind of gave a state of the union on... Uh, on Spotify, and I'll let you kick it off. Yeah, exactly. So we do start by saying the obvious, Spotify is the number one revenue generator in the music industry. Okay, <clears throat> got that. Uh, they're investing in stores, merch, ticket sales, and live events. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about podcasts, of course, on this podcast, but podcast listeners have grown from 10 million to 100 million on Spotify in the last eight years worldwide. Wow. That's a huge Crazy. push for them. Program playlists like Release Radar result in three times more streams. And almost half of all music listened to comes from Spotify personal recommendations. Interesting. That's a lot. And it shows the power of that. You know, their CEO is Daniel Eck, and he unveiled what he described as, quote, an entirely new and updated Spotify experience, end quote. Well, what is that? Well, there's this new thing they call the smart shuffle. It mm -hmm. shuffles your playlist while adding recommendations at the same time. That's new. Um, better and more personalized concert calendars. Live event splash page gives listeners the ability to save concert dates. Uh, the expansion of Fans First program to include more artists. And I don't know if you've seen Fans First. It started off as a lot of different things, but now it's really typically two things. You'll get an email from some of your favorite artists with either tickets um, or some kind of merch slash vinyl offer. And they typically have a window of exclusivity, you know, for, uh, the fans, uh, Spotify fans of these artists. So watch your emails for fans first. Um, so they're expanding that. And, uh, also, um, merch available on the artist page and now in the, when you're playing music in that view. So that's new. Right. Exactly. As kind of a, before I get into some of the new campaign features, you know, in general, I find myself, because this happens a lot, which is, you know, whether it's your, your iPhone update or your Mac OS or, or new Windows version, I think in general, 
And I don't know if it's my age. I kind of hate when things change because I get used to finding things where I know where they are. And and is that because of our age, Jay, or is that or do you think most people kind of don't like change when when a company like this will completely do a, a new redo? That's a good point. I think it has to do with your age. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think that what they're doing here is they're making, and we'll get into this in a second, but they're making Spotify, at least on the mobile app, a lot more like these short form right. video apps, you know, like TikTok, a lot more like Instagram. And it's this kind of uh, flip through uh, thing. And for younger people, they're used to that. They've grown up on that. I'm comfortable with that. But I also like, and I've talked about this before in the podcast, you know, kind of this magazine look that Cobuzz yeah. is doing or that Music Aficionado used to do where it's more about the album. It's more about learning about the genre. It's a little deeper experience. There's a lot more of a narrative there. So, yeah, I think it depends on what what kind of music you're into. If you're into classics and jazz, um, that's a whole different type of audience. And they have, you know, maybe a little bit different needs than someone younger who's just looking for um, some songs they heard on TikTok. Yeah, exactly. But look, well, let's jump into it. But I, I you know, I kind of hate like when Excel changes or word changes. It's like, ugh, I just got used to it this way and now you're changing. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, anyway. Okay, so let's yeah. talk about some of the new campaign features. Uh, marquee is 10 times more cost effective than social media ads, they say. Um, mm-hmm. Better ways to integrate your music to discovery mode, data reports, and in, in, uh, data reports, which is in beta. Uh, discovery mode directly available to artists. Huge. And yeah. showcase, preview your new music. Yeah, that's, that's new, mm-hmm. this new showcase. Also, countdown pages um, for your new releases. Uh, it pre-saves the albums to the listener's feed automatically. Uh, video clips available through all facets uh, of Spotify. And now artists can add 30 second videos to their home pages. Think, you know, like YouTube shorts and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and what it kind of struck me too, though, is, and I, you know, it, it and maybe it's, again, it's my age, but it, it does seem like kind of a blatant, uh, blatant is the right word, but, but a, a concerted effort uh, to pull in and to, uh, you know, to again, to, it's the TikTokification, I should say, I suppose, of yeah. of of Spotify, and and that, of course, is a very demographic um, opportunity for them to 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 get those younger uh, listeners and 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 folks using it involved. So, again, it's my age, Jay. <laughs> what else can you say? All right, so Billboard published several insightful articles about this last week, which we'll get into in a moment. But first, let's talk about the Verge article. They set things up perfectly. Mm-hmm. So Spotify's new design, as we were talking, is part TikTok, part Instagram, and part YouTube. Uh, Spotify wants to be much more than a music player. So its app is turning into much more than a bunch of album covers. Ooh, uh, interesting. You know, Spotify is redesigning the core home screen of its app, right? The mobile app, trying to make it easier for users to find new stuff to listen to and to watch. The new design goes heavy on imagery and vertical scrolling. Sound familiar? Mm -hmm. Turning your home screen from a set of album covers into a feed that much more closely resembles TikTok and Instagram. 
As you scroll, Spotify is hoping to make it easier to discover new things across this Spotify ecosystem. So the new look, which Spotify just announced at its Stream On event, and it just hit me that the Stream On, of course, is a play on Dream On, I think. There you go. We should have had that music <laughs> We playing. should have really had that. Uh, it's clear evidence of the kind of company and product Spotify wants to be. Over the last few years, it has invested heavily into podcasts, audiobooks, live audio, and more, all in an attempt to be more than just a music app. Yeah, and Spotify, Spotify has is, also oh, sorry ahead. about that. Yeah, Spotify has also pushed for years to make video podcasts happen, and now is largely watching as YouTube pulls it off. Yeah, they are. Spotify, you know, they've been seemingly relentless, you know, to nudge people towards content that's differentiated and more profitable, right? Which that often means it makes it harder to listen to music. Um, that's why the app's new design seems to be in part to create a more dedicated space for all those new kinds of content. Spotify has for years tried to find ways to put podcasts and music and everything else side by side, but it seems to be recognizing that the best answer is to give each thing much more room to breathe. There you go. Going forward, when you when you open Spotify, you'll see a bunch of album and playlist covers at the top, but underneath you might see an auto-playing video podcast, which you can jump into with a tap, or you might see a big Instagram-style photo meant to tell you a little more about a playlist you might like. Yeah, there's there's... There's this obvious tension between, you know, design and Spotify wanting to make the app uh, a calmer, more navigable space, uh, while also trying to find new ways to entice people into new things. Well, there's the catch. There's there's more autoplaying content than ever in the app now, and lots of ways to quickly preview songs and playlists without hitting, uh, you know, fully diving in. Full screen video, I'm sorry, full screen vertical scrolling is everywhere now and it's obviously useful for a tool in discovery billions of users are used to doing this right swiping through a dozen things that they don't like be finding before finding something they do boy i can't talk today <laughs> playlists have been spotify's main and for all intents and purposes only source of discovery but in the new design there's a much greater emphasis on getting you into new things that makes particular sense in podcasts, where Spotify desperately needs to find new ways to recoup its huge investments in the space. Uh, Daniel Eck may have admitted he made a mistake in betting so big on new kinds of audio, and the company has scaled back its team in the space, but that doesn't mean he's slowing down. Yeah, the other thing that you may notice is Spotify is more has more personalized AI, artificial intelligence, like that smart shuffle feature we talked mm -hmm. about, which temporarily adds tracks to your existing playlists. Interesting. You know, it's, this, this is supposed to be an improvement on the just for you playlist idea that Spotify has been working on for years. It's really customizable stuff. And, and don't forget Spotify DJ. You know, we talked about it last week. You know, I did a little piece for mm -hmm. HypeBot about Spotify's DJ mode. And that's artificial intelligence, spinning records and hosting your own personal radio show. Right. Spotify is no longer just a music app. And so it shouldn't look like one and hopefully not look like a mishmash mess of content either. Um, yeah. It's, you know, yeah. and I, I do want to point out, of course, you know, having done a, a stint in the video games business you know when you when you're talking about the move to an, an entirely new kind of look and feel for a, a piece of con or a, like for a piece of 
of code, I suppose, essentially what it is, or a large piece of code, collection of code, man, that's a heavy lift. So I wonder how long they've been working on this. Oh, it has to be a while. You're right. This is not easy to pull off. And I'm curious, I've only seen this um, talked about on the mobile app, and I'm wondering if the desktop app will stay the way it is. There was a, a piece in Billboard Uh, Spotify launches long-awaited pre-save feature with the new countdown pages. And uh, we've talked about this a lot, how everybody's using pre-saves and that you have to be really smart with your pre-saves. And we were always wondering, like, why aren't the DSPs building pre-save in? So Spotify's announced, you know, not only this, these new landing pages designed to help artists promote upcoming releases, um, but they've included the option to add a pre-save button directly on Spotify. These things are called countdown pages. The new feature also allows artists to tease exclusive content, pre-order merchandise, preview track lists, and add a timer counting down the release all in one place. Wow. Interesting. Well, and to give you an idea of how big this is, this switchover, <clears throat> I saw Daniel Eck on like the CBS Morning News, you know. So this is this is big time stuff, the the, the switchover, and lots of people are talking about it. And it, it was interesting to see some of the things that they talked about in their in their presentation and kind of where they're going with this. But they certainly, you know, kind of give equal Uh, time, I should say, perhaps, or equal attention to music, of course, but as we said, podcasts and audiobooks, and this is a lot of places where they're heading and focusing kind of on not only discovery, but also engagement, and it's a big deal. It's a big move, and uh, some people are stoked, some people are not, and it'll be interesting to see kind of uh, where we land with all of this over the next few months, how, how people take to it. But it's here, no matter what, whether you take to it or not, it is coming. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we failed to mention this. This piece was written by Kristen Robinson. I, I'm going to a panel. She's doing a panel at South by. I'm really looking forward to, you know. Um, so with this new in-house pre-save option, fans who use the feature will get push notifications when a release is out. I can't believe it's taken this long for this to happen. And that'll urge them to come back and, and play the music. According to Spotify's own research, over 80% of pre-save streams, uh, pre, I'm sorry, pre-saves stream the song within the debut week. And the push notifications may boost this conversion rate. Right. The most powerful time to reach fans is when they've chosen to engage with music, like when they open up Spotify. That's why we've built countdown pages. That is from the Spotify head of editorial, um, <clears throat> who's, uh, I'm gonna, I might mess this one up, Selena Ong. Uh, the countdown pages will also allow the artist to incorporate clips, aka short vertical video messages, similar to Instagram and TikTok stories, to promote upcoming releases. Though clips are not new to Spotify, the feature was previously limited to specific playlists and top stars. Slated to open up to more artists this spring, clips can be featured on both countdown pages and an artist's Spotify profile. Yeah. Yeah. And this, the next piece that kind of takes uh, over where this leaves off was also written by Kristen Robinson. And the headline is Spotify reveals new TikTok like vertical feed. Boy, I cannot talk today Um, at stream on event. Um, I'll let you kick it off so I can take a drink of water. (laughs) The new mobile homepage is swipeable video based interactive feed that will automatically play previews of music, podcasts and audiobook for users. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, this new homepage is going to trade Spotify's formerly static, you know, those carousels of Mm -hmm. playlists and song recommendations in favor of a more vertical swipeable video based interactive feed, you know, and that will automatically play previews of music, podcasts, and audiobooks for users in hopes of helping them discover new content. So when I open my home screen, I won't have to choose what I might be interested in just based on a cover art that I've never seen before or an episode name I've never heard of, said Spotify co-president, chief product officer, and chief technology officer Gustav Soderstrom. Instead, I can instantly hear the more interesting parts of a song or an episode. Okay. Interesting. You know, this is a video-centric feed, you know, and, and as well as these other announcements, they really kind of show that Spotify is moving away from uh, positioning the company as solely an audio focused company and really, you know, toward creating a more audio, audio visual platform. Indeed. Excuse me, boy. Spotify has spent years trying to assert itself as the world leader in audio podcasts, diversifying its offerings from music to exclusive podcasts, live audio, and more recently, audiobooks. But not all of these pushes have played out well for the company. At least six of its live audio programs, for example, were canceled after roughly a year. Yeah. Let's talk about Canvas a little bit. For those that don't know, these Canvas videos, um, you can put an eight-second looping video um, on your tracks through Spotify for artists. So when people play that, there's a, a visual element to it. And the, and the Spotify has begun to offer more visuals in recent years, including, you know, those video capabilities for some podcasts, that canvas that I just mentioned, you know, and according to Spotify songs that use canvas videos are 145% more likely to get track shares while listeners are 5% more likely to continue streaming them. And they say that this Canvas feature will now play an even larger role at Spotify. Uh, the news of its <clears throat> excuse me, more interactive vertical homepage marks Spotify as the latest major tech company to seemingly take cues from TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, and, I'm sorry, from TikTok. Instagram and YouTube have made pushes to popularize short-form vertical video offerings on their sides in the last few years, on their sites. I'm going to do this again. The news of its more interactive (laughs) vertical homepage marks Spotify as the latest major tech company to seemingly take cues from TikTok. Instagram and YouTube have made pushes to popularize short-form vertical video offerings on their sites in the last few years. SoundCloud followed suit this week as well, announcing a vertically-based Discover page that uses AI to to power tailored recommendations. Yeah. Yeah. And the last one, uh, last story on this Spotify kind of deep dive of their stream on uh, presentation is, a, is again from Billboard. And it was written by Elias Light, who's one of my favorite writers over there. Um, the headline is Spotify expands access to controversial discovery mode program. And boy, is this a hot item. Yeah, exactly. Spotify officially announced it has expanded access to Discovery Mode, a contentious program that gives artists the chance to gain more algorithmic exposure on the platform through Spotify Radio and Autoplay in exchange for a lower royalty rate, Jay. 
Ooh, yeah, I know. You know, artists and their teams can now enter the tracks into discovery mode through Spotify for artists, you know, as long as their distributors are participating in the program. And there are a lot of majors that are not. Um, managers are eager to get their artist music in front of as many people as possible and have been enthusiastic about discovery mode, telling Billboard it's a quote unquote brilliant tool that can yield incredible uh, results, for example. Yeah. On the other end of the spectrum, music industry trade organizations and members of Congress alike have denounced the program as a new digital form of payola that will eventually lead to an overall decrease in the amount of royalties flowing from Spotify to labels and artists. Several members of Congress also questioned Spotify about why whether discovery mode meets guidelines set forth by the Federal Trade Commission, which notes that disclosures of paid content should be clear and conspicuous. And that's a part I think a lot of people miss when they talk about payola on radio, mm -hmm. when people are paying money or providing goods um, to get something played, is that isn't necessarily illegal. The way it looks is that if you're not um, disclosing that it was paid for, that's what's illegal, right? So Joe Hadley, uh, Spotify's global head of artist partnerships and audience said, we've been testing... <clears throat> um, you know, we've been testing this for a while and the results speak for themselves. On average, we've seen users save discovery mode songs 50% more often. They add them to playlists 44% more often. They follow the artists on Spotify 37% more often. And that's just what they see in the song's first month of discovery mode use. And from talking to people in the business, I can tell you that they're talking about the first month I'm hearing that after the second month, things really uh, die down. And by the third month, you're not getting um, you're not getting that kind of activity. So, you know, a couple of points. One is, you know, this is coming out of beta. There's going to be a lot more discovery mode driven tracks. Uh, that's going to dilute the results. Totally. And then the second point is that many of the major labels, they're not sold on this yet. Mm-mm. Uh, to, in, uh, to ensure the tool is accessible to artists at any stage of their careers, it won't require any upfront budget. Now, that's what Spotify wrote in its blog post. Instead, labels or rights holders agree to be paid a promotional recording royalty rate for streams and personalized listening sessions where we provided this service. That's in quotation marks. Last year, managers told Billboard that the royalties they received on plays from Discovery Mode were 30% less than the royalties they received from plays elsewhere on Spotify. Yeah, that's the charge, that 30%. So Spotify also offers artists access to other paid advertising programs. You know, you mentioned Marquee mm -hmm. uh, earlier. That shows a, a full screen recommendation for a new release. And that's been around a while and it's been opened up. Spotify has said that Marquee's, you know, got a lot of bang for your buck. You know, they wrote last year that it delivers 10 times more Spotify listeners for every dollar spent on similar social ads and a 100% higher click-through rate on average than similar social ads. That's not a controversial. That's just basically an ad on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> Jay, so much of this is... Oh, my gosh. I know. It just got my, has my head spinning, <laughs> to be honest, because, you know, we've got these changes. We've got the new look. We've got everything going on. And... Boy, it's a lot. I mean, and again, I kind of tip my hat to them on one side because 
it's hard to 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 kind of get all of these things changed on a on a service like this. It's a big lift. And it is a big lift. And and you and I talk about how innovative they've been and continue to be and not everything's going to be a home run. Mm-mm. But I'm really excited to um to dive into this and see how it does and how it looks and feels and what the experience is like. And, you know, maybe it's not for guys like you and me, maybe it's more for our kids, but it'll be interesting to see how this is accepted uh, with the uh, Spotify users. Well, and you and I were talking about this again before we hit record, which is, you know, is this kind of a, will we eventually see sort of a stratification by demographics of the services? You know, I mean, I think Spotify has by and large all the way across just you know I know my mother-in-law has Spotify and I know my kids have Spotify so yeah. you know it's a pretty broad swath of people but you know will this kind of push toward so let's call it the tiktokification of Spotify yeah will that kind of alienate certain users uh, will they maybe go over, jump over? There was an article we, you and I were talking about, that I think it was on The Verve, uh, you know, people saying like, that, that's it for me. This is, this is not for me anymore. This is, this and the is reason for, the for that kids. is, sorry, the reason for that is some users feel like this is making it even more track based than it already right. is. And it yeah. definitely is track based and they want to get back to the album experience and especially if you're into jazz or classics Mm -hmm. or if you're into certain genres and you're into certain artists you don't want just the tracks uh, of a few of their best streamed tracks you want to listen to the full album and this goes away from that uh, album experience in some people's minds and to your point that article that we were talking about before we hit record there was a user that was saying uh, I've been with Spotify for years I'm going to Apple Music because I'm, I want to see what I used to see which is these album covers and I want to listen to albums right and it's you know and and clearly you know for a variety of reasons Spotify obviously is focusing on podcasts as they have been now for some time audiobooks they yes. really want to diversify their portfolio and become more profitable, obviously. And so, and you know, you and I have talked a lot about Apple Music and, and, and well, the challenge that Spotify has as, as a music service is that they're the only one really that depends only, this is, this is, their, this is their only business, essentially. Yeah. Apple Music doesn't need music distribution that they don't need a neither music does service. Google, neither does neither google neither does amazon exactly. yeah none of them do spotify right. has to work a hell of a lot harder than those other companies because this is it this is their their and it's a hard business to make uh revenue uh, or profit i should say um and spotify has seen that but hats off to all of the innovations fantastic um coverage from uh, billboard and the verge on uh, on this uh, this last week, this stream on presentation, uh, lots to digest there, and we'll talk about it in the coming weeks as we dive in and play with it a little bit more. Sure. Well, let's jump into the the last story, Jay, which is the Ooh, R- is a good one. Double A report: U.S. recorded music revenue scores all time high of fifteen point nine billion dollars back in twenty twenty two, last year, of course, and so the uh, uh, this is the industry's seventh consecutive year of growth. Uh, while overall streaming growth has been leveling off in recent years with 92 million paid U.S. subscribers or subscriptions, it's clearly continuing to grow and fuel the market while the steady resurgence of vinyl continues. <laughs> it just uh, it sure does. Hard to believe, but yeah. man, it continues. 
the vinyl resurgence. This was a great piece in Variety by Jem Oswad, who we absolutely love. And it was so great because we got the report. You know, you and I got the report just like everybody, and, and we were looking through it. But it's always good to get some of these smart people like Jem who kind of go through there and break it apart and uh, help us to understand it. And then in a minute, we'll talk about Glenn Peoples' um, mm -hmm. take on it, which was even even more interesting in some ways. Um, collectively, accounting for 84% of total revenues, that's streaming. Mm -hmm. You know, it's continued to be the largest driver, you know, with paid subscriptions, ad-supported services, digital and customized radio, social media platforms, don't forget. Uh, digital fitness apps like Peloton and others. So according to the report, you know, paid subscriptions were up 7% to a record high revenue of 13.3 billion. Revenue grew 8% to 10.2 billion, passing the 10 billion mark for the very first time. Right. The number of paid subscriptions to on-demand music services continued to grow at double-digit rates in 2022. The average number of subscriptions for the year grew 10% to 92 million, compared with an average of 84 million for 2021, according to the report. Yeah, but, you know, revenues for vinyl grew 17%, and that made it to $1.2 billion. Um, that's not nothing. You know, the, the 16th consecutive year of growth for vinyl wow. and, it, it, and, and vinyl is 71% of the physical format. So for the first time since 1987, mm -hmm. vinyl albums, ready for this, outsold CDs in units, 41 million units versus 33 million units. You know, after a 2021 rebound versus the COVID, um, you know, that impacted 2020 revenues from CDs. They fell 18% to 483 million in 2022. Right. But in Glenn, but. <laughs> the big but, Jay, our good friend Glenn <laughs> Peoples' weekly newsletter, The Ledger for Billboard, he said, here's the bad news. Last year's growth in terms of both dollar and percentage increases was the lowest, yes, the lowest since 2016, when the recorded music business started to recover from a 15-year downturn. Total music revenue grew 16%, 6, I'm sorry, 6.1%, but that's about a quarter of 2021's 23.2% gain. Paid streaming revenues improved 7.2% in 2022, a third of the 22.2% growth back in 2021. Yeah, leave it to Glenn to kind of uh, turn over some rocks and and look at the data, uh, which we love about him. <laughs> turn over you know. some rocks, that's exactly yeah. what it does. <laughs> this is the first time that paid streaming revenue growth fell, that growth rate fell uh, into single digits since 2010. So that year, paid streaming revenues rose just 2.9%. Um, over the next decade, as annual paid streaming grew uh, to almost 58% of total recorded music in 2022, the segment's annual growth often exceeded 50% and only fell below 20% twice. Right. Um, Ad-supported streaming revenue growth rate also fell in the sing into the single digits, also for the first time in more than a decade, slowed by an advertising malaise that has also affected companies ranging from Alphabet to iHeartMedia. Streaming services advertising royalties to record labels grew 5.6% compared to, check this out, 44 points, 44% in 2021 and 16% in 2020. In dollar terms, last year's revenue growth was the lowest since 2015. 
Thank you, Glenn. Um, you know, the slowdown shouldn't catch anybody by surprise because of the music industry's reliance on streaming subscription services and this unwillingness until recently to raise prices um, to a finite number of potential customers. We talk about that a lot and we'll continue to. Um, yes, some of the streaming services have raised some prices, um, primarily on some family plans and other things, but uh, there needs to be a wholesale rise in the rates uh, that these DSPs are charging because it's such a low uh, margin business. Great uh, take by Glenn Peoples. Great take by Jem Oswat over a variety on this report. Download the report. It's There's a link in your morning coffee. Mm -hmm. It's free. And before we wind things down, I just wanted to touch briefly on something you mentioned a moment ago about, you know, not everybody is super excited about you know, Spotify's redesign. And there was a piece in the Toronto star and we won't go deep into it, but I just wanted to mention it because it was funny. <laughs> um, funny. The headline was why Spotify's announced redesign will kill the music album and mark another step toward the infinite scroll. And this is by Navneet Alang, um, who's a columnist there. And I'm just going to read you just the first little part of it. And I'd love to get your take on it. Um, Navneet says, it's a basic, perhaps unfortunate truism in life. The older you get, the more you miss the things from your youth that are gone, right? So some of us with gray hair might miss a world of fewer screens or Walkmans or Nintendos. As for me, I miss something else, a streaming music app called RDO. Though it shuttered in 2015, RDO it was great for two things versus modern competition. It focused on the album rather than the individual tracks. Mm -hmm. And it had a, a useful social element that let you learn what your friends were listening to. And I forget who bought them up. I should have Googled it before we did this, but I didn't know we were going to be talking about this. Um, I was a big fan of RDO um, and I can't remember who acquired them, but it was such a great service. And this speaks to what you mentioned a couple of minutes ago. You know, if you're maybe a little bit older and you're not 22 years old anymore, you know, maybe you don't want this scrolling feed and short form video in the way of you discovering, you know, these new albums. Well, and, you know, we've talked about this quite a bit on the show, too. You know, you've we've gone from an album business to a singles business to a shorter singles business than singles were five years ago or 10 years ago. A sped up singles version. That's right. You know, you're, we've got this thing that that is, you know, at a maybe at a time in my life when I want things to slow down, these things are speeding up. You know, whether it's the shorter time of, of a song or like, yeah, these sped up versions or all kinds of stuff. So it's, again, and I'm wondering if we're going to, like I mentioned, maybe get to a more stratified by demographic kind of listenership of these various music services because clearly this is is aimed at a younger listener all of these changes that Spotify is doing a, 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 a younger user I should say um, yeah. which is fine you know that's that's what they have to do and I understand that but it's not necessarily for me or it's not necessarily for my friends or it's not necessarily for a particular demographic group so is that yeah. enough to move away from Spotify? I don't know. I still think there's an inertia that with whenever you, you know, can you do it? Of course you can. But is it worth it? Do you just kind of put up with it, I suppose, is, is the question. Well, it's kind of challenging. You brought this up a while back that when you're on a DSP, you're invested. You're mm -hmm. building playlists on that DSP. You're, you know, uh, saving things and you're building this 
this thing that is so great for you, regardless of your DSP, that's your home base, um, that point of reference when you listen to music. And it's not so easy just to start over and <laughs> build a new relationship. Yes. And I think people are, yeah, it, 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 it takes a lot to move away from a service, especially a music service. It's not that way, I think, for video content. Certainly, I I will turn off HBO Max or, or you know, maybe... I don't think I turn off Netflix ever, but you know, sometimes I kind of go through the list and it's like, okay, I'm not, I haven't been watching anything on this for a while. I'll jump out for a bit. Uh, I don't think people do that with music very often. They just don't. Yeah. And, and yet I think, you know, at least in my household, I know your household is unique, but, but even in my household, we, we, we have both Spotify and Apple music and, um, I don't see that changing in the near future. So I think people just for the most part put up with it. But it is interesting to see, you know, we're already seeing little funny articles. These are more, you know, kind of side articles about, wow, this is kind yeah. of not for me. And I, this is why it's not for me. But I'm wondering if in the population at large, it will cause a, a, a shift of people moving away from Spotify. It's too early to tell, but it doesn't yeah, feel it'll like be it interesting. Would be. It'll be interesting to see what, what happens. I can just tell you from my focus group of four kids that their number one choice for music is YouTube mm-hmm. um, because YouTube has everything. And I'm not talking about watching videos. I'm talking about, you know, listening to music. Um, it has anime. It has outtakes, B-sides, live tracks. It has all this I hate using the word, but I will content um, that maybe other DSPs uh, don't have. And so I watch them as that's their experience. And look, I have a lot of different DSPs that I subscribe to for my work and they could listen to any of those, Mm -hmm. but they choose YouTube when they're studying, when they're doing whatever they're doing, they build their playlist, they hit play, they go, and there's, there's lots to choose from. So, you know, different strokes for different folks, but you know, we'll see how this, uh, how this goes as far as if people end up, not liking it and leaving the platform, whether it grows their audience because it's a better, more immersive experience. And listen, most people, um, aren't like us. They, you know, uh, they don't maybe listen to full albums. It's not only is it a track based economy, but sometimes they don't even make it through the track, Mm -hmm. which is evident in the data, um, that we see. And we have to remember that we grew up in an era where it was all about ownership Right. And, and now it's about access. And those yeah. are two different behaviors. And it's funny you mentioned YouTube because I, I would say that I easily two to one uh, listen slash watch music on YouTube over any other streaming service. And just before we got on, I was watching a video of Eddie Vedder doing a tune from the innings event uh, that happened. Oh, wasn't that good? Oh, it's great. Fantastic. Yeah. He was doing a U2 song. And um, yeah. Wow. And, and you're not going to find that anywhere else. You know, that was on yeah. YouTube. And yeah. um, it's, it's funny, you know, we talk about uh, Spotify, of course. We talk about Apple Music, all of these things. But YouTube truly is... It's a beast. It's the That's beast. the number one. It is the yeah. behemoth. It's, it's always there and it's different. And it's, you can mention it in the same breath. But it's really way different than the other music. By the way, streaming services. Lior Lior Cohen, if you're listening, um, I'm reaching out. You know, we'd love to have you come on and and talk with us. Yes, I want to know more about. You know, we talk too much sometimes about 
um, all of these other DSPs that have really great publicity departments. But we we would love to uh, reconnect with uh, Lee R. Cohen and find out how the sausage is made over at uh, YouTube and YouTube Music and all of that. I just made some notes. I'm going to uh, reach out to him. Yes. So, or if you're listening, give me, give me a call. Fingers crossed. Exactly. And on that note, Joe, what do you say? We wrap up. Did I just call you Joe? You did. That's okay, Frank. It's all right. That's okay. no, it's... Why in the world did I call you Joe? I have not mentioned the name Joe as far as I know. Uh, on this note, Jay, what do you say we wrap up this episode of the Your Morning Coffee podcast? We certainly appreciate you listening. I know Jay and I really, really appreciate it because we know you have many choices out there in the world of content, shall we say. And the fact that you choose us is not... Uh, not not noticed. So on that note, have a wonderful week, everyone. We'll see you next time on the Your Morning Coffee podcast. You've been listening to Your Morning Coffee, the weekly music news program for the new music business. Join Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchard next time for the digital music news you need to know.